Johnny asked me if I wanted a chair. And do you know that the ancient rabbis, Jesus being included, when they taught, they sat. They did not stand. So I'm not quite good enough to sit. <laughs> All right. My sermon notes are out there in that car because they no longer apply. I've been doing physical therapy and I've got some exercises I've got to do now. I'm through with the therapy because they've pretty well eliminated the shooting pains down my legs and everything. So all I've got now is muscle soreness, and most of that is from the uh, tensioner thing, that muscle thing that they use on you. So I've been going down to First Baptist Church where my wife works, and I go in the parlor, and that parlor has got a carpet in there that I can actually sink my knees into when I, because my big problem is is not getting on the floor. My big problem is is getting up off that floor, you know. So I got her key yesterday. She doesn't work on Friday, and I went down there, and I down there by myself, and I kind of thought. Cliff Bernard's not liable to show up here any time, and that's not usual for him, but I think I think he's going to show up. So I did some of my exercises and everything, and I went out there in the hall. There's a pew out there, and I sat down in that pew, and here he comes strolling through the door. And I told him, I said, sit down. I didn't talk to me for a while. I wanted to find out about Michael, his son. Uh, his son had a blood clot in his leg, and uh, they got they cleared the blood clot, but now they can't figure out why he's got pain in his legs. So he might have back problems too. We don't know. But anyway, as we were sitting there talking, something came to my mind, and I wanted to talk. I talked to him about it. Well, not knowing anything about when I get home from all this, my wife says, "Call Patricia." And I thought, okay, something's happened, you know. She told me, she said, she just had to take Terry to the hospital. So I said, okay. And so I went back down to my office last night, and I sat there, and I went through some stuff, and I thought, well, this is what I'll do. You ever have that situation where you think, this is what I'll do? And then God says, no, this is what you'll do. But that came this morning about daylight. I woke up, and I remembered that Cliff and I had talked about this. Chuck Colson wrote a book called Born Again. I thought Chuck Colson maybe was one of those jailhouse conversions, you know, when it happened. But I became convinced as I read the book that he's real, that he is a true Christian. And 
in reading that, I ran across something. He said, there's something that has bothered me. And it was something that has bothered me for a long time. And it comes from the pulpit. It's, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? That always bothered me. Charles, I could take a dollar bill out of my pocket and hand it to you and you can accept it, right? But what does it do for you? You just got a dollar bill. And Cliff says, I never used the term accepted, except. And he was in total agreement with me when I, when I said that. He looked at me and kind of nodded his head. He said, I never used the word accept. Come and accept. Come and accept. He said, I always use receive. Receive. And somewhere in my files, I've got a a note, uh, a sermon notes on this subject. I don't know where they are, and I didn't have time to look through all of them and find out. So I thought, since we had this discussion, since at that time Terry was falling on his head, and I didn't know it, and. You know, there's no such thing as a coincidence. There's God incidences. God wasn't surprised when Terry hit his head. God's never surprised about anything. And so, then Cliff only came down to turn the heat on. And he said, if I'd have known you was here, I'd have called you and told you to turn it on. I said, the only thing is, I forgot how to do it. It's been so many years, I forgot how to turn the heat on down there. So that's the background for what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. You do not accept Christ. You receive Christ. Cliff's going to preach the sermon for the coming annual meeting that's coming up for the association. And the subject is Lordship Salvation. John MacArthur wrote a book several years ago and got accused of preaching Lordship Salvation. There is no salvation without Lordship. Period. Paragraph draw brackets around it, whatever. People say, oh, I, I, I was saved several years before I made Christ my Lord, the Lord of my life. I never made Christ Lord. The Bible says that this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made Lord. Now, God is Lord over the pagans. He's Lord over the Muslims, or Jesus is, over the Muslims. Jesus is Lord over all, whether you like it, don't like it, or whatever. The day comes that every knee will bow 
and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So what is this about acceptance? And Chuck Colson said he was sitting there looking out over the Pacific Ocean, and he said all of a sudden it dawned on him, which means that somebody revealed it to him, okay? It dawned on him that in order to accept Christ, I have to accept everything about him, all of his claims, all of his, uh, everything that he ever claimed, everything he ever did, everything that he ever promised, I have to accept that as being true. Then I can receive him. But what do I have to accept? Well, the first thing I have to accept is that he's eternal. He was in the garden. He was the one that walked with Adam. The physical manifestation. He was the one that was there. So I have to accept that. This idea of Jehovah's Witnesses and others, that Jesus is a created being, is absolute false. John says that everything that was created was created by him, and nothing that is was uh, was not anything. There's nothing that you can find anywhere that's not created by the ultimate force of Jesus Christ. He is the author of creation because he is God in the flesh, became God in the flesh, and he's always been, he's always been. There's never a time that he was not. He is eternal, and so we have to accept that. If you can't accept that, then you can't receive Christ. Then we have to accept something else. We have to accept that he was prophesied. We have to accept that he was prophesied, folks. The Old Testament starts off in Genesis prophesying Jesus. That's really, I've got my Bible here. That's the reason I haven't opened it. I can't go through enough scriptures to show you. I haven't marked them. Uh, to show you how many scriptures predicts Christ. But Daniel did. Zechariah did. So many. You go, uh, Nahum, you go through the scriptures, and what do you find? You find prophecies of Jesus. Do you know how many of those prophecies he fulfilled? All of them. He didn't miss a one. When he hung on the cross, he fulfilled a prophecy when he said two words. 
I thirst. That was prophesied. It's as if hanging on that cross, he reviewed all the prophecies. And he says, there's one more. I thirst. He didn't miss a one. He didn't miss a one. We have to believe that. We have to accept that. That he fulfilled all those prophecies and that he was the expected Messiah. Now, what was the problem with the Jews? He came unto his own and his own received him not. They accepted his miracles. They couldn't deny them. But they never, ever received him as Messiah. The prophesied Messiah. They knew all the prophecies. They knew he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They, they do all of this. But what? They never, ever received him. They rejected him. They looked at him. They looked at his records, and they rejected him. They said, it's not the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come riding on a, on a white horse. He's going to be bearing a sword, and he's going to throw off all the oppressors, and we're going to be... God's number one nation, we're going to be God's chosen people, and God's going to make us number one preeminent in the world. Even the disciples believed that because they kept asking Jesus, is now the time? Is now the time? Are you going to do it now? And he kept telling them, that's not the way it is. They accepted his deity basically after he was crucified. They had the hints before and they had even said it before, but they never ever really got the full message until he come walking in that room out of that grave. So... We have to accept that he was prophesied, that he is the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, this Messiah. Then we have to accept something else, a virgin birth, a virgin birth we have to accept. The Muslims don't accept that, even though they recognize Jesus as being a prophet and all that. Uh, no, they don't recognize the virgin birth. A lot of denial there. You know what's really miraculous about the birth, virgin birth? It was a male child. Any female can have a child in her virginity, but it will be an exact clone of her. 
it's going it's going to those things that nature can some sometimes do cause the division of the egg and all that sort of stuff. But no, 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 it'll never be a male child. It'll always be a female, just like the mama. So we have to accept the virgin birth. That was prophesied. We have to accept that. So virgin birth, we have to accept. This is the Messiah we have to accept. Then we have to accept something else. We have to accept that he lived a sinless life. I used to wonder. You said something a while ago. Did you ever see it? When you was a kid? Did you ever sin when you was a kid? Boy, boy, boy child, boy, child. I don't know about the, your girl childs, but us boy childs, uh, uh, we, we sinned prolifically while we, were, while we were young. Hey, you said something about if we got what we deserved, we'd have never made it past puberty. Well, you're basically right on that. But I used to wonder how did Jesus... Growing up in a little boy body, in the society that he was in, how did he ever stay sinless? And there's a little passage in Scripture somewhere, and I can't tell you where it is, but it says that the Holy Spirit protected him until he was old enough to choose. So... He did live a sinless life because of the Holy Spirit. And then when the day came, you know the Jewish kids go through, boys go through something called bar mitzvah. Bar, anytime you see it, bar Jonah, son of bar Jonah, uh, bar rabbis, bar means son of. So bar mitzvah means son of the law. And that's when a Jewish boy becomes subject to the law at about 13 years of age. They have the bar mitzvah. And now he is subject to the law. Before then, he is not. So Jesus, sometime along that time, apparently went through this ceremony and became a son of the law. And at this time the Holy Spirit directed him differently. He was then free to sin just as Adam was free to sin. But Jesus did not. See, an old song says, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yeah, I was. Yeah, you were. Were you there when the original sin was committed? Yeah. 
Because where? Adam is the federal head of the race. According to Jewish theology, and this is correct, that in Abraham's loins was the whole Jewish race. And so if Adam and Adam, we were all there. In Jesus, we are, he is the federal head of the Christians, of his descendants. And so we, were we there when he was crucified? Yeah. We stood out there screaming and shouting and yelling and cursing him and all that. So what do we have to accept? We have to accept that he died on that cross. He died. He didn't swoon. He didn't just pass out. He died. How do we know that? Well, because some Roman soldier got the bright idea that because they were told that the Jews didn't want these bodies hanging on the crosses out there on the Sabbath. And so they had to be dead. So how do they kill them? They break their legs. When they break their legs, they can no longer push up and get a breath, which is excruciating, and that word comes from the cross. And then they collapse back down until they just can't stand it any longer, and they push back up, and they get one more breath, and they... And sometimes they'll hang there for days doing that. So they went out there to broke the, broke the legs of the thieves. But this Roman soldier who knew what death was all about, he said, this one's already dead. He said, I'll make sure. Spear. Up through, thrust up through here. What came out? Blood and what? Water. Now what does that tell a pathologist? A doctor who specializes in this. It tells him that that person was dead because after death, the serum and the blood has a separation effect and then when he pierced, pierced that pericardial sac, what was in it? Serum, water. Guarantee you he was dead. What, uh, you know, so these, this swoon theory and all that don't work because that little piece of scripture there, why is it in there? Because it says to the Mr. Scientist, that he was dead. So we have to accept that he died. You know why he died? 
Because he looked like me. He looked like you. He was bearing the sins of the world. God can't look at sin. So what did he do? He turned away. And that's where that cry rang out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That forsaken is is the term for let me down at the worst possible time. The time that I needed you most, you let me down. It happens sometimes in marriages. It happens sometimes in friendships. It happens sometimes, a lot of times in life. And at the very time that you need somebody the most, they let you down. They forsake you. That's what that forsaking was about. You have forsaken me in the hour of my greatest need. Why have you forsaken me? That's another thing we have to accept. But then we come along and there's something else we've got to accept. Is that he was buried. Why? Because he's dead. Very simple fact. You don't want him lying around on top of the ground putrefying, contaminating everything. I don't know whether you all know it or not, but uh, your funeral homes, they've got a room where they do the embalming. It's got a separate plumbing system in there. That's not open to the regular plumbing system. You go to the bathroom funeral home, you're not connected to the, to the sewer system that's in that room. Because the law says that that has to be uh, a sealed environment. COVID-19, I think they ship all the bodies to Memphis, don't they? they? They've done the ones that I know about. that They have to go through a special process on COVID-19 that, that's not done here at, like a Roller Citizens or something. Because, why? It contaminates. So, he was put in that tomb and sealed in that tomb because he was dead. He was a menace to society in that state. But then we have to accept that he came out. He came out. If you do not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. You deny it. I don't care what else you believe. You're not saved. We have to accept that he walked on this earth again and was seen 
talked, and he ate with them. Why did he eat with them? Because he was alive again. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Lord is alive. And then, let's conclude this with one more thing that you've got to accept. You've got to accept, one, that he ascended, and two, that he's going to come back. If you don't accept that he's coming back, if he fulfilled every one of those Old Testament prophecies, except the ones concerning the second coming, and then we've got the, all the prophecies of the second coming, both Old and New Testament, what's the odds? Go to Vegas and to ask them, what's the odds that he's coming back again? That he's going to fulfill all of those prophecies again that, that still are open? What's the odds? That's what you call a sure thing. You can bet your life on that. You already have, haven't you? Anybody here that hasn't bet their life on that? Yeah, you bet your life on it. You bet your eternal life on it. And so what is left to do? We are saved by grace through faith. Right? So, how are we saved? By receiving. What's our situation before we receive? Dead, dead, dead in trespasses and sin. Old hanging Judge Parker used to look at him and he said, I sentence you to hang by the neck until you're dead, 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 and may God have mercy on your soul. He had a gallows set up that could hang 12 men at one time over there at Fort Smith. He never filled it, but, but it was that possibility. When that John Wayne movie was made, showed him up there with a about a half a dozen up there on that gallows. But dead, dead, dead in trespasses and sin, what does a dead person need? He needs life. And the only way that you can get life is to receive it. Them folks laid up at Roller Citizen, they can believe all they want to believe. if they can believe anything. But they have not received. The only hope they have is that they receive Jesus, the Lord and Savior. So that's the message today. 
We don't accept Christ. We receive Christ. We accept all the things about him. We accept everything that he claimed, everything that he did, all his attributes. We accept in order to do what? To receive him. And we can only receive him through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be involved. Because the Holy Spirit, according to John, has three offices. To convict the world of sin, to convict the world of judgment, and to convict the world of righteousness. So the old black preacher was asked, Reverend, how do you get a man saved? He said, well, first I guess him lost. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> correct. The Holy Spirit has to say, has to tell me that I am lost. Then he tells me about the judgment. The wages of sin is death. And that's eternal death in hell. And my first response is, how do I get out of this? And he said, through righteousness. Oh boy, that answers it. I'm going to get righteous. No, I'm not. And no, you're not. And no, nobody else is. The righteousness that the Holy Spirit convicts you, convinces you of is the righteousness that will get you into this state of eternal life. And that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And that's what you receive when you receive him. You receive his righteousness. His righteousness. When before the throne I stand, the song says, dressed in his righteousness alone. I don't have any. If I have to stand before the throne in my righteousness, uh, I'm going to make some of these strippers out there look like they're clothed because I'll be some kind of naked before the throne in my righteousness, but clothed in his righteousness is where we stand. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all the history, all the record, all the prophecies, all the miracles, all of his life, his death, 
his burial, his resurrection, and his promise that he's coming back. We thank you for all of this. And we pray that we will preach the reception of Jesus by faith and not by works. For we pray this in the name of Jesus the Messiah and by the right of his shed blood. Amen.